What is up? It is the Showdown Rundown. I am Frank Janish, once again joined by Showdown head question writer PJ Campbell. PJ, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. It's good to be back. Uh, was what a nice surprise to be like, hey, come back and hang out after the pay per view. We got stuff to talk about. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we weren't sure we were going to do one tonight or not, or wanted, you know, whatever. So we're here. We. we, we could not miss talking about what just happened. Jeff Snyder, Dan Merle, they they did they did business tonight, and it was a hell of a match. We're going to talk about it. Also, Marisol McKee, Vinny Mancuso had a huge match earlier in the day. We're going to talk about that. And also, with that, there were some big uh, Schmodown scenes that we got to talk about, PJ. Yeah, man, a little bit happening right now. So, um, if, if you're just coming from the pay-per-view event, you saw that final scene. We're going to talk about that, of course. Um, but let, let's talk about, real quick, some of the other scenes we saw earlier in the day. Namely, between Kaiser, Bateman, and Merle. This is pre-pay-per-view uh, event, so no spoilers yet if you haven't seen the pay-per-view. But uh, this, was, this, this scene took place before the Marisol and Mancuso match. And it's just... The dungeon there of, again, Bateman, Merle, and Kaiser, it's all business. It's all business this year. Kaiser looks like he's kind of feeling out, you know, the dynamic there. Bateman's about business. Merle, all about business, all about, you know, getting back at Finstock Exchange. Uh, Do you think, you know, this is setting the tone for what's really the mission for at least uh, a part of the dungeon in regards to Dan Merle and Ben Bateman? Yeah, I mean, look, the whole scene plays out. These two are kind of really had to put a, their differences aside because the truth of the matter is, is they're both out for blood. They want to take out the Finstock exchange and it's all business for them. They are on a war path and Kaiser is just hoping he can get them to get along and it works. Like, you know, he even said, well, I guess that went well. Like he knows there, there's some blood there. There's some bad blood there, but they're figuring it out They're and they're moving forward. And you could tell that it was all business, especially going into night. Yeah. And, and so, and then, you know, then we had the, had the match between Marisol McKee and Vinny Mancuso. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but at the end of that match, we had another scene here with Bobby Gucci and John Roca, and boy, do they just want to punch in Ben Bateman's face. Yeah, and look, I mean, once again, there's just, it is war, right? This season is war, and everyone's got bad blood with everyone, and these two are just talking about how they actually want to, like, physically assault Guy, or, uh, I'm sorry, Bateman, for whatever <laughs> reason. I yeah. mean, they're just like, they it's a weird thing to watch, but I think Finstock Exchange and looking at the dungeon, they're on a collision course that's going to get real ugly real fast, and I'm very much excited to see it play out. And uh, real quick here, Dagan Esbra with the Fight Super Chat. What's up, boys? That was you, insane. PJ, you guys absolutely crushed it with the questions tonight. Mad respect, man. Thank you. All man. right. So we, we had those two scenes, and then – this is where we're going to get into some spoilery territory. So if you have not seen the pay-per-view match, uh, spoiler alert, I mean, if maybe if, maybe you just don't care. Maybe you just don't care. You're here. You want to hear what happened. That's cool, too. That's that's up to you. But we're going to start getting into this pay-per-view match uh, that happened between Dan Merle and Jeff Snyder. You can still go purchase it, by the way, if you haven't seen it yet. You can still go to showdownlive.com, Buy it right there, or you can join the $10 tier and go ahead and find that link in the Patreon and and go ahead and watch it. But here we go. To start off the pay-per-view, Christian Harloff uh, got, you know, let's just, 
he didn't think he was going to get a boss. He got a boss today. He got a new yeah. boss today. And let's not beat around the bush, PJ. It was none other than Grace Hancock. Look, uh, this is very Agatha says it all. If uh, we got any <laughs> WandaVision fans yeah. out there, but Grace Hancock, Grace, you know, it was Grace all along. And here we are, man. I, I keep wondering, like, what does that mean for our show? Because poor Christian, he, he's been running this thing. He's doing it like I don't think he wants to answer to Grace. He looked pretty upset. I'm going to be honest. I'm a little worried about Christian and his blood pressure. Yeah, you know, it, it's this is also it's kind of it, this is kind of reminding me a little bit of the corruption storyline where um, someone's pulling Kalinowski's strings. You know, we had, uh, um, you know, the Laura situation, the whole contract situation with Thad and Christian again. And and Christian even alludes to or it's brought up again. Contracts, read your contract, Christian. Um, so that was <laughs> kind of like a, like a little tiny callback, whether that was intentional or not. I, I, I think some people picked up on it in the chat. Uh, yep. and so you know, he's got to read the fine print and, and, and this seemed to escape him with the Skybound team coming in here and saying, hey, look, you, you're going to have somebody to answer to. We really like Grace. We really love what she's, you know, she's about. And and Christian, to he, he can't believe that, you know, the fine folk, the Skybound, have bought this thing. Um, and, and once they leave, it's it's Christian and Grace face-to-face and, and it's, guys, it's war. It's war it, immediately, and it could be not. It could not be more evident uh, between their their interaction, PJ. I mean, it could not be more evident at all. And again, I can't believe to your point. What was Skybound thinking? How did Grace convince them? Number one, to actually like snake her way in, but she's coming for Christian. She's definitely holding a grudge after Kate let her go last season, and Christian was like, "Yeah, absolutely, like happy to do it." But now she's out here. I wonder what she's thinking. I wonder what she's trying to do because she doesn't come back just for no reason. Exactly. What's her motive? Why get in good with Skybound for what reason? So she wants to take over the Schmodown formulator or does she want to rip it away from Christian? Right. Uh, what's what's that angle about? I'm not quite sure. Uh, I'm sure we'll get those answers in the coming weeks ahead. So um, I'm very curious where this is going to lead. But I am ecstatic to see grace back because you just don't know sometimes people come and go in the showdown and that's just how life is and once kate said bye to grace you know we weren't sure what was going to happen with grace and lo and behold you know she did uh, some work in the off season apparently uh having play dates and whatnot and then weaseled her way into the skybound crew and now she is christian's boss more or less interesting uh nonetheless so I'm curious whether she's going to start instituting some different changes or rules or, you know, she wants to bring yeah. in some people of her own. Um, that'll be very, very interesting. You know, they talked about setting goals. It'll be interesting uh, what lies ahead, uh, like I said, in the coming weeks. I'm going to be honest with you, Frank. I'm worried. I'm, <laughs> I mean, look. I mean, technically, she's kind of your boss now, too. That, isn't that's she? my fear, right? She's <laughs> technically my boss, too. And I don't yeah. really know. I wasn't signed up for this. Like, I, you know, when I got into this. I've only been directly working with Christian. I, I don't really want to answer to anyone else, but here we are. And look, I like seeing Grace around, but there feels like there's ulterior motives here. Am I wrong in that? You know, I I don't think you're wrong. I mean, it remains to be seen. I, there's, it's not like Grace is coming in here to save the Schmodown from anything, you know. Um, so I am curious 
um, where this will ultimately lead, and and who knows? Who knows? Who knows? All right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that happened to start off the pay-per-view event, and then, of course, Damarell and Jeff Snyder, they did battle, and it was a hell of a match. We'll break it down in just a little bit, but after uh, after the dust had settled and the night's about to, the event's about to close out, we get another scene. Now, we talked about this yesterday, PJ, uh, about Andrew Guy and everything that's going on with him. What happened with the Shmominati? He seems to, he was dressed up back in team action suit, kind of, you know, looking back in the old days. He had uh, the Nerds Watch match on in the background, you know, when team action played them. And then we see at the end of that scene, he wants to find Bateman. He has to talk to Bateman. I didn't know when this was going to happen, but it happened tonight after. after it happened quick. It, happened. it did. It and happened he, quick. He hustled all the way over to uh, Bateman's place. He's trying to get in there. He finally gets Bateman to come out. And and here's, I think we got. I think a, a a lot was revealed here, at least in my estimation, that something's going on with Andrew Guy's memory. It seems yeah. like he he he's asking Bateman, "We got to go to Collider. We got to beat Track." And Bateman's like, "What the hell are you talking about?" He put so, Cameron Diaz on the wheel, yeah. dude. Diaz isn't even a slice anymore. I mean, look at that. <laughs> that that's is that is that breaking news now? Wow. Um, I didn't even know that was a thing or not a thing. Anyways, so Andrew Guy is talking to Ben Bateman. Bateman has no idea what he's talking about. So now you have to wonder, because we were talking about this last night, PJ, what did the Shmominati do to Andrew Guy? And it looks like there's some sort of amnesia. There's some sort of reset. Now, is it the Shmominati or is it just kind of one of these like self-preservation activations that the human body does, a human mind, just to block out whatever traumatic experience happened, and it just kind of reset him back to his team action days. I'm not quite sure. I don't think that's definitive, but there is some memory issue going on with Andrew Guy, and it looks like we might be seeing team action era Andrew Guy for for at least a little bit. And I think for team action fans out there, that's kind of exciting. No, totally. I think because one of the things we had floated last night is what if he has amnesia? Because, again, to that very first scene when we saw him, he was watching old matches. He was acting like the Andrew guy of old, a guy that we hadn't seen in quite a bit. Like, he wasn't the crazy conspiracy theorist anymore. And everything about what played out today when he went to Bateman felt weird. He was not himself anymore. And he definitely had an air of that old, dastardly Drew guy. Like, that was what he was seeing. And even Bateman was like, what the hell is going on? Like, you don't, this is not happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wear a mask, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) Which, what a great way to be like, by the way, (laughs) why aren't you wearing a mask? Why does everyone keep saying that? That was great. That was great. So and good. Yeah, hopefully Andrew Guy does wear a mask. Or at least he's vaccinated. I don't know. One or the other. I um, mean, look, I, I'm going to guess that's not happened yet, but <laughs> yeah, who knows? Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, it was an extremely interesting interaction between the two. I'm curious, you know, if this, this piques Ben Bateman's curiosity of, like, what's going on with Andrew Guy? Because certainly his attention is focused on Dungeon and, and making sure things persevere in that direction, is he necessarily concentrated on Andrew Guy? I don't know. Maybe this starts to swing his attention a little bit away from Dungeon and onto Andrew Guy because that is his buddy. That is his friend. And I think he notices something's going on with him, um, or at least he'll probably come around to the idea that something's going on with him. So uh, I'm curious. What Again, I'm just right now because it's the first couple of weeks of the season. We're just laying the foundation for things to come. So yep. I think it's being uh, set very well in terms of, 
here's what's here's what we're setting up and here's what we're going to explore so just sit back and relax and let it play out and have some fun with it and, and really that's that's all that's been happening with these scenes these past this past week alone you know who knows what we're going to get next week Dude, I don't know, man. And that's what I'm so excited about because, again, I missed the storyline stuff last year. We did a pretty good job yeah. with the managers and the feuds with the factions. But now to really jump back in and we've gotten so much information just out the bat, like from spectacular till now, you can feel it ramping up. And it's it gets me excited. Like one of the best things about this show is watching the storyline stuff play out. So now we have all these kind of lingering mysteries. I can't wait to see where it goes. Yeah. So I want to go real quick back to. Um, the gray stuff because uh, Brinjar, he, he super chats here. Is Ken going to be on the desk every match now? Uh, laugh emoji there. Uh, because Grace is now, I guess, in a sense, running Schmodown or you know, co running Schmodown or has more say in the Schmodown. Um, you know, I think in real life, we kind of had heard that you know, Ken was stepping away from the Schmodown, but we would probably see him on the desk. Uh, this certainly seems like a story way to to incorporate that in a, in a fun way, which I appreciate. So I, I think, I don't know about every match, but um, I think it's only a matter of time before we see Ken call, I would like to think, a Star Wars match at the very least. Yeah, I mean, look, I love Ken at the desk. I would love to see more of Ken at the desk. If, we, if the one thing Grace does with her new power is puts Ken at the desk, I'm not going to complain about it. All right, and then we have another super chat here from Stephen Corton. Uh, he says, send Dan and Bateman after the Yacht Couple. Hashtag, who's the goat? Uh, that'll be interesting because in in that scene with Kaiser and the two of them, you know, it wasn't – they didn't confirm that they are going to be a team. Mm -hmm. You know, they said, hey, it's up to you, Kaiser, what you want to do. Um, if we should be a team or not. So they're not confirming it, but, man, it would be very – I think everyone would say it would be very foolish if we didn't make them a team, but they still haven't confirmed it. Uh, so we're going to have to wait for the confirmation, but I would like to think they're going to be a team, PJ. I mean, look, I would love to think that they're going to be a team too. I Again, they're all business, right? And what better way to really put everyone in the league on notice than those two teaming up together because they could give just about every great team a run for their money. And Absolutely. And, the, and they balance be... each other out in an interesting way. I think they do, and, and I and – you know, and I know they talked a lot in the off season about, look, this is the potential, this is the possibility. Do we line up as a team? Do we, do we, you know, strengthen each other? Do we shore up weaknesses for each other? And I think, you know, that's part of the reason why they ultimately ended up signing with Kaiser and the Dungeon because they could make that a possibility and believe that they could get the job done. Um, all right, but enough of all of that. We spent some time there on that, but we got to get to what happened just mere an hour ago. Huge match between Dan Merle and Jeff Snyder. Huge 24-22 result in favor of Dan Merle in the dungeon. They pick up four points on this number one contender match win. Uh, if you didn't realize, number one contender match wins are worth four points. And so Dan picks that up for the dungeon to give him a total of 11 points. And this was a really incredible match and before um this escapes my memory i want to just throw up this other super chat here that was sent in because i don't want to lose it again by uh Brinjar. he super chatted here i feel like snyder lost the match in his head after that first question he looks so upset all game and that's where i really want to start too as well with that first question i think the very first question something that i've never seen before at least on the first question 
Damrell asked for a repeat, and he and so he's awarded the repeat. We go through another fifteen seconds. We're about to be, you know, the player's about to be asked to reveal their their answers, and then Jeff Snyder asks for a repeat. So throw another fifteen on the clock. We spent forty five seconds. I mean, on one question, total of um, um, just about a minute on one question. You know, Mark Ellis. Uh, throws out there, this is the longest, you know, question in the history of Schmodown. Uh, I would like to think so. And I don't know what you thought, Peach, by, by watching that unfold. But to me, I was like, man, these guys must be playing really tight. Or And it's also, I think, a credit to the question of uh, it could be Sir Ronan or Florence Pugh. And you're going back and forth, back and forth. Right. And it's the first point. It's a huge match. It's a number one contender match. Jeff Snyder's playing Dan Merrill. Dan Merrill's playing Jeff Snyder, and you want to get off on a good foot, especially when you got a 50-50 shot. And if, you know when it seemed like they didn't really know it, um, or at least confidently, that's why they used a repeat. You know to second guess themselves. Jeff Snyder ends up missing it. Dan Merrill hits it, so he's up one nil right off the get go. PJ, again, when you saw this, saw these events transpire with this first question what did you think the rest of this match was going to be like tense i thought everything from there on out was going to be tense because these two like you you were kind of saying they were playing everything close to vest they were not going to let things slip by and for both of them to take the time and be like it's got to be one of the two and now you're really it's a crapshoot at that point and to really see those two playing out that way you knew it was going to be just like a dog eat dog back and forth fight that one of them, no matter what, someone had to come out on top, but they were going to scrap no matter how hard it was. Yeah, and I think that, that's what I, I loved, the kind of the tone it set for the rest of the match here. It was that, look, this is going to be intense. We're going we're gonna to fight really hard for this 100. match, for this win. And I think also, if you didn't know that Jeff really wanted this win, I think... In that moment, because the guy wears his emotions on his sleeve, and if you didn't know that he really wanted this win, he let you know in that first question, and and he ended up missing it, and and Dan held down for another you know couple more questions, so we got to the release date question where they both missed, and then you know we don't have to worry about a bonus point, but it's a very I think a well played first round for the for the most part, uh, very tight. You know, Damrell comes out ahead seven to six, so a one point lead in this in this match. Doesn't you know? And Roxy even says to Jeff, "This is, isn't going to decide the match. You know, we still got another yeah. two rounds to go. We got some more work to do. Anything can happen with that wheel. Who knows what happens in the final round? So, uh, but still, I think it really bothered Jeff. But if there's anyone to get Jeff out of that funk, it is Roxy Stryer. No, absolutely. Look, there's a reason that Roxy and Jeff work so well together, right? Look at how they played through the teams match at Spectacular. And there was a lot of heightened emotions through that match as well. And she was able to keep Jeff calm and complacent enough that they were able to walk away with that victory. Now, this time, like right out the gate, though, they he hits that skid. And I think there was a little bit of him being rattled. And I, I really think Jeff is a great player and he wears his emotions on his sleeve and you can see when he's already inside his head and J- uh, Jamar Jones said it really great in the chat. You could almost see what the first question Jeff was saying, what if, uh, what, wait, if it's tough for Dan, it can't be that obvious. Maybe it's not Florence Pugh. And I mean, that was kind of the brilliance of the, the question and not to like have the writers <laughs> too much on the yeah, back. Yeah. No, it was a great question. It's I a, think everyone loved it. Yeah. And that was kind of the way I wanted to set it. And it was also a little bit of a callback to, um, uh, the match between 
Shazam and corruption where we did something a little similar with the Shanghai Knights question versus Shanghai noon. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's little things where it's a crapshoot. You got to go one way or the other. And it, it sets the tone for a match in a really interesting way. I think it really did. And, and I loved every minute of that first round, especially that first question. It was just a great way to start, but Merle was ahead by 1.7 to six. And he defers to Jeff Snyder who spins sports first spins away from it because his, his strategy was that hopefully Dan lands on it. And so they spin away and they end up on mystery, which is a, a newer category here. And brand new. And Jeff Snyder, he goes four for four, but picks up six points because he had to check the multiple choice twice. The important thing here is he didn't give up any points, but he did have to check down twice. And in hindsight, you can look at this round and say this is where the match was ultimately decided because he had to check down to multiple choice. Um, I think, you know, in that situation, because um, Jeff Snyder is going first, he almost has kind of no choice. He, can't, he doesn't know how to, if he should be able to take uh, a chance on one of these. If he was, if it's rolling around in his head, and he's like, I might be able to, I think I know what it is. I'll take a shot. He can't really do it if he's going first um, in this type of scenario where he was only down by one. And it's a great, I think strategic decision on Dan Merle's part. I have a one point lead. I'm going to make him go first. Mm -hmm. That way I know what to do. It's kind of that, you know, we've heard it time and time again, but I think it was very true in this scenario, in this spot, in this type of match. And Jeff Snyder, I don't think, I don't know that he was, you know, he wanted to take a, uh, a shot at one of these, you know, multiple choice questions where he ultimately went to multiple choice. Um, had he gone, if he was going second and knew what the score was, Maybe he does take a shot on that final question. We'll never know. But, again, a, a great strategic decision by Dan Merle to really put Snyder in a box and say, look, don't drop any points to me, but you're going to have to do what you got to do, and it might limit you on your on maximizing this round. So, uh, I, I, But still, Jeff Snyder, I thought, handled the round very well. And, yeah. and I, thought was, you know, I thought he calmed himself down a little bit after that first round, PJ. Well, and look, I mean, Dan did something smart too strategically in there was quite a few new categories on the wheel and to let those kind of play out where if you're not feeling comfortable, let someone else hit one of those and let's see how it'll go. Yeah, and exactly. That's that's this game though. And you never know, man. Like it always plays out in a way that is your gut telling you the right thing? You don't want to hit it, and you don't want to risk someone getting a two-point steal off you either. So, well, thanks, Max. I love you too. Um, but I'll just say, man, I think that Dan was smart. He played close to the vest. He he put Jeff kind of in a bind where don't, like you said, don't lose points to me. And I and he could have easily gotten the steals off of him too. Yeah. And so now, uh, with that in mind, uh, Jeff Snyder has twelve points here to. Merle seven, Dan spins wrestlers off the bat and then spins away because he likes other things on the wheel. He lands on mystery, so we spin it again. And ultimately lands on wrestlers in movies and films again. And, you know, they had talked about it before spinning away. Like, it's a newer category, might be shallow, might be surface level. And I, in my opinion, they seemed a little more surface level. And I think that's why Dan ultimately earned seven out of eight possible points going four for four only checking the multiple choice once and it served him well because now he's up 14 to 12 that's a two-point lead now that's really 
uh, nothing to be too worried about because uh, this match was always going to come down to who knows their five, um, can you answer your five, and that's all Jeff Snyder had to had to do to be within range to keep that scenario possible. That's all you're trying to do if you're trailing at this point. Because once you get down three points, well, now you have to answer your two and your three just to even send it back to your opponent. Because it's just a two-point deficit, I think Jeff, while he's probably still, and Roxy's talking to Jeff about, you know, let's just do what we got to do here, answer all three of your questions here, never mind what happened. Um, I think, again, just great managing from Roxy once again. But Dan Merle just seemed to be on autopilot here in terms of, in terms of he's doing what he normally does. He's he's doing what we've always seen him do, and that's just not miss very many questions. I mean, he's only missed one question up to this point, and and Snyder has missed two, but he's still down fourteen to twelve. So both playing really well, but Dan Merrill just that much better. Yeah, and look, you you said it yourself. It was always going to come down to the five in a match like this, and. They both got pretty straightforward questions in round two that were, you know, name the movie, name the actor. There was a pretty good balance between the two of what we were looking for. Mystery's a little bit deeper because, you know, there's uh, more mystery films than movies that necessarily have wrestlers in it. But, like, Dan navigated wrestlers pretty well. Like, that last question he got, which was all about um, The Condemned, a movie that I don't know how many people actually saw, was such a great pool that put him ahead. And then, you know, round three is always once you put those numbers in, it's in the fate of whatever you picked, because, we, you know, the way we change up those, you never know what it's going to be. Yeah. And I think also before we move on to the final round here was that the first couple of questions in wrestlers and film were IG adjacent, something that yes. Dan Merle uh, has, as, as as we all know, has been working on that that division and getting ready for that division, uh, whether or not he makes his debut this season, I think remains to be seen. Um but he did get a Bumblebee question, you know, and and so what was the other one? Um, uh, they also got a question for Spider-Man, which was Spider- about. Oh, yeah, for Bonesaw. Yes, yes, the Bonesaw. Bonesaw's, Bonesaw's ready. You know, Brad yeah. was not here, so he would do great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, so I thought that was very interesting to see a couple IG questions. And, like, that's the thing, too, is with these newer categories, you might see some bleed over from inner geekdom per se or star wars leak in there and so uh you know i I think even like i think in mystery you could have seen an mcu film there uh, if it's captain america's um iron uh, man 3 even iron man 3 winter soldier you know like i think you could possibly see some of that happen i I don't know maybe am i my off base there pj you're just a question writer no i mean i don't think you're off base at all one of the things that i enjoy doing and i mean i think it's become evident over the last year i like kind of throwing a curveball here or there where you might not think of something as that thing but i mean iron man 3 or the winter soldier are straight up mystery films just like anything else so you could always see something adjacent landing in these categories and that's kind of fun for not just me but for the team as well like that's why we like doing these expansions and look at something like lucasfilm which has a lot of crossover with ig even so you know all right so let's get to this final round here it was 14 to 12 dammer with that two-point lead jeff snyder fantasy sci-fi hits that two-pointer it was the the narnia question right and and so then it goes back to Dan. He gets that Christopher Nolan question. He hits it. Then we go back to Jeff Snyder. Crime, it was the Maltese Falcon. Was that that question? The Maltese No, Falcon? that was uh, – it was in Widows. Who plays politician oh, Widows, Tom yeah, Mulligan? That's right. The Colin Falcon Farrell. was in round two. Yes, um, Maltese yeah. Falcon was round two. Widows, yeah. 
I mean, I saw that movie. I liked the movie. And man, it's it's a good movie. I'll just say that. Um, so Jeff Snyder gets it, and then we go back to Damerel, uh comedy three pointer, and this was. Which one was this, Peter? This I was the it. Naked Gun question. The Naked which, Gun, yes, Reggie. Yeah. One of my favorite questions we've it's ever great. written. It's great, yeah. And and we talked about we spoke on this earlier a little bit ago with Jeff Snyder wearing his emotions on the sleeve on his sleeve. And if you just watch Jeff Snyder's the left side of your screen for the duration of Dan Merle's questions, he almost seemed beside himself. Um, and I don't know if that's him. Um, directing it at the questions being asked or if it's just he felt like this is how it's going to go there's he's not going to miss no matter what you know i and he's thinking about the first round or he's thinking about the second round you know checking the multiple choice what have you but it's it's never not interesting watching jeff snyder whether he's answering a question or he's listening to someone else answer a question i could not emphasize that more with this match but nonetheless he gets a five pointer here and it was the Doctor Doolittle question, yes, uh, who, sir. you know the, the voices, actors voicing there, and he gets it. So the force Dan Merle to answer a five to win it. It's Will Smith category, and look, this is when you're in when you're trailing into that final round. This is really the scenario now that you're aiming for is that you. you you never know what's going to happen with these fives, and you just want to get to this position so that hopefully your opponent has to answer their five. Because if that's the case, now you you have a shot at winning the match. Because if they miss it, you win, right? That's all you can do, and that's and Jeff Snyder, you know, through what he went through for through that match, having to get over the fact of you know the Florence Pugh and whatnot, and, and I thought multiple a couple. Of I times. thought really yeah. he actually looked. Pretty calm going into that third round. I thought he really. I thought he was. As the match went on, I feel like he got more composed. I really felt like he was in a great spot going to that third round. It's like, hey, yeah, let's just do it. Two, three, five. Let's knock him out of the park. And then you know it is what it is. But you know Dan Merle being Dan Merle does Dan Merle things. He hits his two, hits his three, and ultimately hits that five, seven pounds. Boom, you're out of here, Jeff. Sorry, I'm going to have my rematch with Adam Collins. Uh, what a finish! to an incredible uh, debut which went on versus PJ. I mean, it was an incredible versus debut. We should, yeah, like the fact that this was the first versus match and it was these two legendary Titans in the game who, again, were like on a collision course with destiny, essentially. We've been waiting for these two to eventually cross paths and for it to finally happen was exciting. And look, I mean, Dan and Jeff are both two of the greatest of all time for a reason. Yeah, They both hit their two threes and fives. They, they took it all the way down to the wire and we can always play the what if game. You know, if Jeff hadn't checked multiple choice and at either time, we could have gone into sudden death, but yeah. that wasn't what happened. Or, you know, or he could have gotten the Florence Pugh one and he could have gotten the release dates one in round one and he could have been up. You never know what could happen, yeah. but that's just the game. And yes, you, you know, I was really proud of the way it played out and you got to, gotta give dan credit man like you could tell that that seven pounds one for half a second he was like i i'm not sure like now you're going through all the different movies that will smith has done and especially in the 2000s because he was kind of doing all sorts of things and you know at the end of the day now you're trying to narrow down what which decade is it which thing am i thinking of they both did a really great job but dan just came out swinging man 
Yeah, on the on the night, Jeff Snyder, he missed two questions. He missed two questions, 13 out of 15, and Dan Merle missed one question, 14 out of 15 there. You know, they share that the same miss in movie release dates. Um, Snyder obviously missing just that first the first question of the match, and, and that was it. You know, and then, you know, I mean, you, you can look at Jeff having to check down to multiple choice a couple of times, which, you know, brings down his possible points earnings there. Um, and, and that, and that hurts, but, you know, the knowledge I, I think, um, is there for both of these players. I, I, I think what this match served to show is that the gap of knowledge between Dan Merle and Jeff Snyder, I don't think is, I, and I don't know this to be true. I'm just kind of off the top of my head. I don't know if, if people think that Dan has much more superior knowledge to Jeff and if they thought that going into this match, I, I I would like to think that this match helped kind of close that gap, narrow more, narrow that narrow down that conversation. Totally, I just don't think it's necessarily true. I think what what came down to tonight was a matter of strategic play and timely strategic play because Dan Merrill was I think able to be in a position right off the bat and, and maintain that position going to the second round and implement a strategy of you're going to have to go first, Jeff, and use that to his advantage. But Because at the end of the day, you still have to answer the questions. And whoever blinks first can find themselves behind the eight ball real quick, especially against the likes of Dan Merle. And I think this is really just about who played a better game tonight, and that was yep. Dan Merle by a slim margin, not necessarily who has um, more knowledge. Uh, I think that's that's gonna be that can be left up for exhibitions and and free for alls, if you will. I think, but and that's and that's a whole other thing. But I still think we just saw two of the best and greatest knowledgeable players play tonight, and I think it was a, it was a treat for all of us. Oh, it was a hundred percent treat for all of us. I've been waiting to hope that this match would happen forever. It finally happened, and I'm gonna be honest. I feel like th- these two are gonna tango again. There's no way that this is Jeff's not gonna let this go. He's going to hold on to it and he's going to use it to craft himself to be even better, to be to really try to take him down one way or another. And I think that these two are destined to do it again. And I do think that there's a potential for even a team's matchup where Jeff can try to get, you know, a little bit of revenge there, too, depending on if, you know, if Bateman and Merle do end up teaming up for whatever reason. I mean, this could this could possibly play out the way it played out for Jeff. In, in singles or in regards to Adam Collins. He faces Adam Collins in the finals, couldn't get him, but then he faces him in the team's tournament and knives out deception. Mm-hmm. It certainly could be a case here that, you know, while Merle had Jeff Snyder's number tonight, he could see him possibly, odd couple could see a Dan Merle team, whether it's in a tournament or a title match or what have you, and then maybe he gets one over on Dan Merle. So, yeah, this do do isn't over yet by a long no. shot, and I don't think so. No, definitely not. And I'm excited to see where it leads because there, there's so much potential here. And I think that we're also going to see a lot between now the dungeon and the stars the rest of the season, because this was a hell of a way for them to kind of really set the tone for their rivalry and whatever happens next. What what, what I want to know, actually, with, with the people in the chat right now, I want to know, do you all out there think that Dan Merle and Jeff Snyder will meet in a singles match again this season? Because rematches during the season – don't happen all the time. No. They don't they, they very frequently happen. They can happen, but not always. I want to know yes or no in the chat. 
if you guys think Dan Merrill and Jeff Snyder will meet again in a singles match, whether it's a three-round match, a five-round match, what have you, do you guys think so, yes or no? I kind of want to see what they, they say in the chat here because it was a great match, PJ. And, it was a great match. Um, I kind of wish it was a five-rounder, but we'll have to wait for a title match scenario <laughs> or a, no, a, a yeah. tournament final scenario for that to happen. So, um I, I want to shout out the chat who have been talking nonstop about Will Smith movies until your question, by the way. <laughs> they started just baiting the best Will Smith movie, and it's like, yeah. good for you guys. All right, so I'm looking at some of the answers here. Uh, Movie Man 82 uh, says yes. Uh, Jedi McPimp says nope. Snyder can't get back to the title contention unless it's the tourney. Thanatos says maybe. Uh, Devon Shu says not this season, no. Uh, Twisted Magoo says, "I don't think they will meet in singles in a singles match again ever." Wow! Oh wow! Um, uh, Dave Drenow says, "No, we had to wait seven seasons to see this matchup." David Isle, "No, if Dan loses to Collins, he'll focus on IG." Jedi Jens, Jedi Jens says, quick. "Yes, eventually." Okay. I, I I see Stonewall in the chat. After Dan's five pointer, there should be a rematch tomorrow. I'm going to point out that both of them got movies that were named the movie. I, I, I mean, look, yeah. everything is subjective, guys. And I, I know that you guys get passionate about it, but remember that. Like, everything's subjective. Snyder's was literally also named the movie, just as much as yeah. Dan's was. There's not a lot of difference between the two. I, I, um, Manny Gonzalez says, I think you have a better chance of seeing team match than a singles. Yeah, I think that might be more likely for this season. Uh, Brinjar says, that just gets me this season, no, but next year, yeah, he thinks next year it'll happen. Um, and then, let's see here, we have one more. Joshua Howe says, could, but I don't know. Level is so high these days, he's going to go with a no right now. So, yeah, I think kind of split down the middle. Some people think it's more likely for teams, and I think it's probably a little more likely this season, as I said. Um, in-season, same-season rematches don't mm -hmm. always occur. Uh, it's kind of tough to do that unless you find yourself in a tournament situation. But by that time, Dan Merle might have the belt. So you never right. know what happens. And, and let's talk about that real quick before we move on and, talk, and discuss the Marisol McKee-Vinnie Mancuso match because Dan Merle, Adam Collins will have a rematch. Remember that overtime thriller at Spectacular. Holy crap. I mean, just on pins and needles. Um I mean, whatever outcome was going to happen tonight between Dan Merle and Jeff Snyder, whoever Adam Collins was going to end up facing was always going to be uh, a fantastic matchup, a fantastic rematch because of the way Adam Collins played both of these guys. Now he's got to play Dan Merle again. Got to play him for a second time. Now, he may have beaten Dan Merle the first time. Can he do it for the second time in a row to go 8-0 and Something that has never been done in the history of the Schmodown. Whether you started out or you went on an eight-game win streak, uh, no one's ever done that. Sam Levine had a seven-game win streak, you know, to end his career, and that's been the mark. Adam Collins matched that in his rookie year to start. He matched it. Adam Collins will try to go eight and zero, something no player has ever done in the history of the game, and he's got to do it against Dan Merle for a second time. This if if Adam Collins pulls it off, it will not only is it already up there for one of the the greatest streaks of all time, it will yep. be the definitive Hall of Fame streaks of all time because to set that mark, to reach the the all time mark, and to set the all time mark, he will have had to beaten the greatest of all time, Dan Merrill, twice in a row. And I, if someone else comes along and does eight in a row, 
I don't know that they're going to have to face the likes of Damrell twice in a row to do it. But if Collins can do it, I mean, he's going to be in some... He's going to be in a class all of his own just just for a very short period of what his career has been. I'm not crying in the grace of all time after that match. I won't because it's only, you know... But it's one of the great match, runs. But it's obviously going to be the greatest run of all time. And Dan Merle is going to try and put a stop to it. And as... You know, Christian was wrapping up the, the the event there. You know, he mentioned, I don't think, he said, I don't think Dan has ever lost a number contender match or has ever lost a title match when trying to um, earn it back. That is true. He's never mm-hmm. lost in those attempts. Again, Adam Collins attempting to do something that no one has ever done. Yes, the eight-game win streak, but also stopping Merle in his tracks uh, from re- from retaining the belt for a fifth time. I mean, there's so much on the line for this title match coming up. No, I mean, there is. And look, if you're Collins, you got to be feeling good, but you got to be feeling nervous because yeah. Dan looked like he was ready to go. Like, if honestly, it kind of reminded me of when Dan won the belt and then he had to, like, play for the belt right then. I almost yeah. was ready for that to happen, for him to be like, you know what, I'll take you now. Because I think he had that fire in him, ready to just tear down Collins. Because Collins is trying to stop Dan, but just in the same way, Merle's trying to stop Collins from having that perfect, you know, eight-streak run. And getting that belt back and saying, you were great your first season, but you still have to get to my level. Yeah. And, and man, I'm just so curious how this match is going to go down. Again, five-rounders, and... and you know, some people thought that going into this match with Snyder that maybe Snyder's at more of an advantage uh, because it's a three-rounder. You know, the past couple of matches when Dan has played, and you look at his matches against Bateman and against Collins, he kind of falls behind a little bit within those first two rounds. He's got to play catch-up through rounds three and four and ultimately the fifth round to, to seal the deal, um, which he did against Bateman both times, but yep. was able unable... Well, I mean, he's, he did it against Collins because it went to overtime. Um, so in a sense, I guess he did it again all three times, but if Dan Merle, you know, I, I don't know that, that, that if Dan Merle again falls behind, how many, and I said this last season, I don't know how many times you want to play with that kind of fire, especially against a player like Adam Collins, where you find yourself falling behind. Now that didn't happen tonight against Jeff Snyder. He had the lead after the first, after the first two rounds, 14 to 12, if he plays like that for the first two rounds against Adam Collins, either he's going to have the lead or it's going to be tied. And, mm-hmm. I mean, well, I guess that's pretty obvious, but <laughs> well, just saying that was out loud. But still, it's going to put him in a, in, a, in a really great position, you know, to do something that no one's ever done uh, again, winning the title for the fifth time. Um, I'm immensely curious what this is. This match is going to look like now that Dan Merle is with the dungeon with that group over there because last year he was with the exchange and you saw how those matches go and a couple intrafaction you know, matches there against Bateman and then when it came to spectacular Gucci wasn't even around for that match against Adam Collins but that's not going to be the case when Dan Merle faces off against Adam Collins he's going to have the full support of Kaiser and everyone in that faction um, something that Adam Collins didn't have to... He didn't face that type of Dan Merle last time around. Well, and look, I mean, they already got the IG belt back at the dungeon, right? Mara already took care of Chandru. Now they're on the path for the singles belt, and they're definitely coming for that team's belt. One way or another, like, they are on a warpath, and I don't think anyone's ready. Like, you've got people like Bateman 
that are going to be with Dan. And we know that Bateman studies like crazy. You don't think that Dan and him are both actually just sitting down and probably studying. Like they're going to make sure that they give uh, Collins a run for his money, no matter how you look at it. And could you imagine if this match, if when it happens again, if it goes into sudden death again and Dan wins in sudden death that time, like flip it the other way, that'd be unreal. I mean, I mean, if that, if that happens, I think I, ho- I would hope the league would grant an automatic rematch. Because right. I think at that point, you have to have that rubber match. You have to have it. Uh, if they both win a match through sudden death, I, I think you kind of have to do it. If we get to that scenario, I will I will literally lose my mind, PJ. Um, I, I can't even imagine. <laughs> like, I think but, uh, we'd all lose our minds. Yeah, Joshua Howell in the, in the chat brings up a, an interesting point here. So six losses for Dan Merrill, never more than once at the same player. That's unreal. That's right. He lost to Ethan Irwin. He got TKO'd in that tournament. But then the next year, the season premiere in New York, he beat Ethan Irwin for the singles title. Yep. So he played him twice and then beat him. Same thing against uh, John Roca. He lost to John Roca that first time. Then in the triple threat with Riley and Roca, he beat them to win back the title. So he has not lost to Roca twice. Um, he lost to him once, beat him once, did the same thing with Ethan Irwin. So it's, I mean, there's a lot. I can't wait to see when this match happens and, and what that night's going to be like. It's going to be a ton of fun. I, I think, you know, say what you will about I wish we were back in studio. I, bet you, I wish we were back at live events. I wish too, but, man, it's it, this one's going to be crazy nonetheless, even if it is online. I'll say this. Like, I, I this is our eh, – words. Uh, this is becoming one of my most anticipated matches of the year already, just in – like, just – thinking about it and yeah i miss the live events i miss us being in studio i miss us all being together for these shows but i think some of these matches this last year and like even starting this year are still incredibly competitive incredible incredibly fun and if that match plays out even twice as interesting as the first time we're in for something incredibly special absolutely all right. Well, I, I think you know we've we've said I think we said enough on this match, and, and I know other people still have a lot more to say. And, and how could you not? But I do want to move on before we wrap up tonight's show with the Marisol McKee Vinny Mancuso match uh, that happened earlier in the day before the pay per view event. And Marisol McKee, a one on one player, who was traded from the Den to Corruption for a first round pick and a second round pick in this year's draft, she went up against Vinny Mancuso also. One and one, formerly of the dungeon, now on swag. And Marisol McKee earns the victory 22 to 17 in a really interesting match because Definitely. it was kind of a, a rocky ish first round for both of these players, PJ. It was, man. It was really interesting watching it play out. They both missed two questions in round one and they were the exact same questions, which is very interesting. It's, so their knowledge base is very similar. Um, it actually was kind of like the Merle and uh, Snyder match because they both missed the movie release dates question. Sometimes the chink in the armor is the same for everyone across the board. You never know what's going to happen, but they played tight. They played well. And, you know, it was really interesting. It was tied going to the second round, really making it anyone's game. Yeah. And before we get too far into, into this match, I just want to throw up this super chat here. Not that one. Uh, <laughs> that's not a super chat. I was coming uh, super chat from Hamstract. Uh, he says, if Dan loses to Collins, does it, does Dan get another contender match? How does that work? Um, I don't exactly know. I would, I would like to think a, a contender match would not happen for Dan Merle. I think he he would uh, find himself a little bit lower in the rankings outside of a number one contender shot. He might be a match or two away from a contender match. I don't know. He might end up having to go into the tournament 
And if that's the case, it depends how far he gets in the tournament and, and his chances after a tournament where he lies in the road to a title match, I think. So all that remains to be seen, but that that's way down the line. Um, and, you know, we'll find out uh, eventually. So, yeah, this first round, you know, missing the same type of questions, you know, what was it, 6-6, six to six, I think, after that? Yeah, 6-6, six to because six, so, they both missed two. Yeah, I mean, so really no give and take here. And it's interesting, too, because Marisol generally has pretty good first rounds. And, and Vinny, I mean, look, I, I think Vinny, I think, was one of the more overlooked rookies of last year. He was with the Dungeon, yeah. And, and, yeah, the Dungeon was – down at the bottom of the standing. So maybe not a lot of attention being paid to those players over there besides Eric Zipper and Kevin Smets. Um, but I think Vinny was someone that I think flew under the radar. I mean, he got a tough draw having to go up against Ethan Irwin, you know, in the, in the tournament. And, you know, he well, didn't play. Ethan's a tank. He, he, and he there's tank. nothing. And Vinny didn't play incredibly well. He, he kind of had, he's kind of slumped after his first match there against uh, Sabrina. And, Coming into this match, you know, I was really curious to see how he's going to play, and I really like what he brings to the table. And his fit with swag, I think, actually, um, it works. It works uh, pretty well. What do you think, PJ? Look, man, I like both of them a lot, and I thought Vinny coming in here, like to your point, I thought he was one of the most interesting players last season. Dude's got a great knowledge base, and he just played. You know, they were hit again, they missed the same questions, but they both played very well. And you have to say, like, you could tell that right off going into round two, right? Marisol hits opponent's choice yeah. and is stuck with opponent's choice. And he, she gets Lord of the Rings, which is one of our IG categories being brought into singles. And now it, it's anyone's game, which is interesting because you don't know. We don't know how Marisol is going to do an IG. We don't know if she studied it or not. We all know that it could potentially be on the wheel, but it was an interesting thing altogether. And, you know, she got a couple that were really good. She multiple choice, but you know, Vinny got a good steal out of there too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Marisol gets six of the possible eight points, but gives up a big two point steal. It was the Andy circus question. Yep. How many films had he been in? And she said three, he said four and he gets the two points and a uh, big deal, big deal. in at that point in the match, would you go, Oh, that's yeah. huge. That's it's huge. huge. And, you know, some people I saw in the chat were saying, oh, well, this looks like a wasted opponent's choice. She's got six points out of the eight. Uh, looking six at it, out of eight, man. Exactly. I think they both did well in yeah. that, on, on on that slice. Uh, even though Marisol picks up six, Vinny pulled two off of her. So definitely not a waste of giving her Middle Earth. It, it, it was certainly looking that way the first three questions, no doubt. Definitely. But – the thing that happened was they got an opportunity to steal and they stole and they got two points. And, and that's, if you get two points, if you get a two point steal off an, off an opponent's choice, um, that's a victory. That's a victory. I don't care Definitely. if they got six points. That's a victory because now your possible points for that second round go from eight to 10. So I thought it was, it was not a wasted slice of a, of an opponent's choice. But then Vinny, no. he comes back, and he ultimately ends up with, what was that? John Carpenter. John Carpenter, right. And so, you know, he he does fine in that category. And, look, going into that final round, it was like, what's going to happen here? You know, Marisol, well, she was trailing, right? And yeah, so she was trailing. You're thinking, oh, boy, here here's 
here's our, you know, our coveted Marisol McKee by Shannon, who, who, who traded these two picks for her, and now she's trailing against Vinnie Mancuso um, to swag, and things just happen to go her way in this round. And Vinny, you know, I thought, I thought he got some interesting questions in that final round, PJ. He did. And look, I mean, and he kind of said it too. Like one of the, he got, he hit black cinema twice, right? Like they got it in the first round. Then he got it in the, in the third round. And he, that was a thing where he was like, the optics aren't great. And he got hit with a couple of questions that were outside of his wheelhouse, but he, you know, he played through and he was trying. And that was the most important part is that he got some interesting questions. So did she. But sometimes, again, it was what we were saying in that last match. That third round can go any way. The The mystery box of it all, once you've said those numbers out loud, there's not a ton you can do about it once it's happened. Yeah. Um, this, this was because I thought Vinny played really well, as did Marisol, obviously. But I thought... Um, it this was a tough beat for for Vinny. I thought he played really well. He was in a position, and it just kind of slipped through his fingers there. That, that's and it really did look like he took the loss pretty hard, which is something that it's not something that I want to see, but I it, but it's it, it is something that I wanted to see if someone is really invested in the game, a game that I love so much that a player who loses takes it really hard. You know, I don't want them to feel that way, but I'm kind of glad they feel that way because i know that when they come back they're going to come back stronger and better than ever and that's the type of player i want to see in the league so i'm i'm thrilled that Vinny is back in the league and he's playing pretty decently and you know and not just playing this oh sorry not to cut you off but not just playing decently but he's a great fit for swag him and winston gelled really well together like again that there was a reason that i think he stayed so cool calm and collected through the match because they're on a very similar wavelength they're still feeling each other out it was the first match since he was drafted by swag but there there definitely felt like there was a tone of comfortability there and i think that with more fine-tuning under winston's leadership because we've seen winston shape players up into great great players who can take on anyone. Vinny could be one of those people. He could become the ice pick who literally will destroy everyone around him. You don't, you don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. You know, look what he did for players like Ace and Lish and Miller last year. Mm -hmm. And why not Vinny? Why not Vinny be that, be that next player that Winston helps bring to another level? Because it certainly seems like Vinny wants to go to another level. And I think he's with the right manager manager to help him do it. Whether or not he can deliver the wins remains to be seen, but I'm certainly going to like his chances in whoever he's matched up uh, next totally. with. Yeah. But now, okay, so let's get into Marisol ultimately gets the victory here. That's that's a big deal because... Huge deal. Shannon, you know, again, it can't be said enough. Round one and round two, boom, gone to the den. So Marisol better deliver. Better deliver, um, especially with all kind of the storyline angles going on and, and what ha- what have you with Gloria Kelly and, and Chandru and Marisol. I mean, there's a lot kind of that meshes together, but I can't imagine being Marisol, knowing that your faction traded away two picks for you. On one hand, you must feel really loved, and, and that must feel great. But on the other hand, you better deliver because we believe in you this much, and so you have some pressure on your shoulders now to deliver. And for a, for two-thirds of a match, it didn't look like that was going to be the case necessarily. And yeah. she ends up pulling it out, hitting hitting her 
round three questions, and she gets the victory over Vanny Mancuso. It's a well-earned victory, a hard-earned victory there, and she picks up two points for corruption, get them on the board. Um, you know, I know she wasn't particularly happy with her first round, and and she's one of these players that I think, looking at Middle Earth, how she handled Middle Earth, I think people are going to start looking at her as a more well-rounded player and, and not just, you know, kind of a fluke. And she played really well. And, you know, I'll be curious to see if someone else wants to throw an inner them slice on the wheel and toss it her way if she gets a, if they get opponent's choice. I don't know that, that that might be a way to go unless you find something in your research. But I think by handling that category and the, and the way she did the entirety of that match, I think she is starting to live up to the hype, to the promise of the type of player that she can be. And I'm really looking forward to her journey this season. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, look at, again, look at how she handled herself last season. Some of those categories she hit, or even when they were in teams, the Alfred Hitchcock stuff, right? Where she won a match while Collins computer or internet was kind of giving out and she saved that match for them hitting that tough Alfred Hitchcock question. She is a well-rounded player. And that middle earth thing was a little scary because now it means is she also helping study with IG? Like what does she know? What's behind what's in that brain? She could be very formidable depending on where you, you know, when you come up on her. Exactly. So, I mean, whoever plays her next, I think we'll have her, will have their hands full. And when you have, the company of corruption in your corner. Um, very smart players with chance. Adam Collins, obviously, Mike Kalinowski, Shannon Barty, you know, Clee Wiggins over there, Claudia Dolph, James White. I mean, uh, she's got a real good group over there. A lot of these factions really do, and I really like the nucleuses of a lot of these factions, and which I think is just... You thought you saw some crazy competition last year. I think it's only going to get ratcheted up from here on out. And with players like Marisol McKee and Vinny Mancuso really starting to enter the fray and really make a name for themselves, win or lose, really making a name for themselves, I think it's great for the league because once they start coming across some more of these veterans as they improve their records or as they get deeper into tournaments, whatever the case may be, that's when some fun matchup start you're gonna see you know i can't wait to see the day where i see john roca play marisol mckee are you kidding me like yeah man like that's the type of things that i think are are in the future for some of these players to go up against some of these um long time players of of the league you know i mean heck let's say Vinny versus jte i mean that would be uh, it'd be a incredible match you know so and, and, Look, and it's not like they have not proven that they're worthy because I think through some of these performances now, uh, they definitely are. In the the new class, if you will, not to take away from the first class league and, you know, the old school players, they're all on these collision courses for each other. And I've said that term a couple of times tonight, but there's a reason for that. Like the way that they're rising up the ranks, a lot of them are putting those players on notice. Like the idea of a Marisol Roca match is super interesting because I think that they'd actually be pretty well balanced. And we saw Collins go against Roka, and we saw what happened there. So it'd yeah. be interesting to see something play out similar where he ends up having to play her. Right, right, right. Um, all in all, what a fantastic day for the Schmodown. I, I think, um, you know, when you have a match with Marisol McKee and Vinny Mancuso, and then you have, um, you know, the pay-per-view event with Jeff Snyder, 
and, and Dan Merle. I mean, what what a just just this Friday. And then we had, you know, you look back on 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 Wednesday and Thursday with the Intergeekdom and Star Wars matches, everything that we got this week, uh, just fantastic. And you know what, guys? We're going to do it again next week. I mean, yep. minus the pay-per-view, but we're going to do it again next week, and um, it's going to be a lot of fun. So many matches, man. I can't – oh, my gosh. I did, I'm, I'm just – I don't know how I'm going to handle it, PJ, to tell you the truth. I don't know how I'm going to handle it. I don't know how I handle it, and yet I do it. So if I can do it, you can do it, because you and I are in this together, my friend, and that's the beauty of this season. Like The amount of matches coming your way, the amount of just incredible stuff happening is so awesome, and I am so excited for the rest of war. All right, guys. I think that's going to do it for us tonight on this Friday night where we had the debut of Schmodown versus... Um, it was it was a hell of a night, as I said before. I can't wait for the the coming weeks and what's going to happen with these storylines. Andrew Guy, what's going on with him? Um, Bateman, you know, everyone that's going after Bateman. So a bunch of stuff going on over there. Uh, we've got some great matches next week. I can't wait to see it all. But PJ. We're signing off here. Where can the good kids find you? Uh, the kids can find me online at Twitter and Instagram at PJ underscore Campbell. You can find me at the Movie Trivia Schmodown, where I'm the head writer. Be nice to the writers. We're only human. Thank you guys for all the love and support. And I look forward to seeing you guys around the Schmodown all the time. All right. And I am Frank Janish. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at FrankieJ29. Also, check out Stats by Numbers on Twitter. I'm posting a lot of box scores and faction standing updates over there. So go ahead and follow that on Twitter if you want. And uh, we'll be back next week. Hopefully, Brad's feeling better. Get better, buddy. And, yeah, get uh, better, we'll, Brad. We'll see you soon. We'll see you next week. We'll do it.